I've understood that, okay, well, what about our own design? Do, how, when do we want to get into that? How do we want to get into that? And sort of like that, Mike was commenting on the sign outside, the, the tarps one, and how you would have altered it or, or gone different with it. Because the, the designer was, that grabbed a font and put it together, I mean, that's, that works too. And that's like the kind of designs that I do. And again, why I wanted to overcomplicate my life by bringing this guy in <laughs> with this brilliant artwork that... We felt uh, like we were already pushing the boundaries just by having a marijuana leaf on the side. Right. The main podcast is a free media source with a mission to provide better transparency in the market to connoisseurs, medical patients, recreational users, store owners, growers, extractors, and everyone in between. This is made possible through generous support from our sponsors who cover all corners of the great state of Maine. Special thank you goes out to Treeline Cannabis, Planet Tim, Watered Roots, Rugged Roots, The Head of Yeti, Tastefully Baked, Cure Cannabis, The Shack 420, Humble Family Farms, Canamelts, Salty Cultivation, The North Fire, Highbrow, Team Green, Seaworks & Co., Bade Space, Zero Gravity Extracts, Wisely Cannabis, and Stoner & Co. For more information on how you can support those who support us, please visit our website, www.mainpodcast.com, and click our Sponsors tab. It was, yeah, it was about almost 10 years ago now that he had that idea that we would print, you know, we, you know, came up with Extreme Graphics and Apparel, that he had bought the company and, you know, printing some local stuff there in Gardner, but then moving it to, you know, over the years, his vision with like Shop Chronic was always to like have his store. He has his store. Like that's, like that was, like that's still that and it's it's still his store. It's amazing. Mm. I love going up there you know, and everything that's been curated over the years, the photos that he built, and I'm happy to be a part of it. But Big's got to be another name. So it was like Batico. And then I, I printed a couple of shirts, and then I gave it to all the dudes I knew from events that I, you know, had worked with for years. You know, think back to, like, Great North 2014, Boston Freedom Fest 2012, 13, 14, 15. Those are some wild days, and that was selling the Shop Chronic T-shirts at events, and that's still to this day what I'm doing. I mean, for everybody else, we yeah. we were hoping ever, this was going to happen then. <laughs> yeah, know? right. To like be able to stop and be like, I just want to work with the people. Like, I get it. You know, I trimmed for eight years. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, I've done work around cannabis, and it's why I love being able to just focus. Yeah, it's been a part of your lifestyle for so long now. Oh yeah, and then um, you, you that the you beer. that you actually have an impact on it, Sticky. You've started to make an impact on the the main cannabis scene with brands with what people are seeing on ig and on websites and Mm -hmm. on gear Mm -hmm. that 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 was the 2000 late 2019 early 2020 yeah so uh basically i came back up what like november december of 2019. How uh, come how, you were in North Carolina, correct, was, at that yeah, time? Yeah, right. I'm, I'm from Maine. I go way back with this guy, actually. Um, Which, they, whereabouts did you grow up? Uh, Limerick. Limerick. Limerick, Maine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Massabesic, 
veterans. I forget that <laughs> you're you know, from that area. Yes. Yeah, so uh, oh, the first things not to mention. <laughs> <laughs> College took me to Florida for a couple of years at Ringling, and then I transferred out to New Hampshire Institute of Art in uh, Manchester. Was the uh, was the schooling down in Florida for art, or was it kind of a? It was, yeah. yeah. Was. Both were uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts Illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, Ringling was awesome. It was just very expensive and out of state and all that. Is that Ringling, Ringling as Ringling. in the Ringling Barnum and Bailey yep. connection? Same family. It is, yeah. and I knew that they were big into the arts. Were they not? Yep. Before really getting it, or, he's got a, he's got a BFA from Ringling. So when you look up Ringling afterwards, the college. Mm-hmm. That's, well, technically, it's. New Hampshire Institute of Art. Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, you went to right. ri- you went to Ringling, but <laughs> I guess my associates was there, quote unquote. That's a, a pre- prestigious. Very, it's yeah, it's a really great school. <clears throat> who recognizes it? Like in the <laughs> industry of, of like, uh, you know, like I, if you went to Ringling and somebody who's also in the art Christine, world maybe? would say, "Dude, you're," uh, and it's illustrative more so. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say it's like on par there with like RISD, like you said, um, Rhode Island School of Design. Yeah. Did you have any interest in getting into computer graphics more, like in that way, like uh, creating? I forget what the term is. I remember seeing them before, but a one-stage shot of say something that's animation. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, so creating stuff like that. Growing up, I was like a Microsoft Paint kid. <clears throat> uh, I would take T-shirts, like I was super into corn and Limp Biscuit and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I would like look at the shirts, and then I would recreate the characters on my computer. Uh, like one thing in particular was that Corn Issues album where they were in the straight jackets. Oh yeah, I like recreated that on Microsoft Paint. If you put Microsoft Paint in front of me today, I wouldn't even know how the hell I did that. <laughs> but so I'd made them, and then I was like, well, now I'm gonna turn it into me and my friends, and now I'm gonna turn it into their girlfriends, and I would like stem out into these characters from there. Uh, but I when I this. went to Ringling, I was like, I'm gonna work for Disney and. That's yeah, right. Be my thing, and then right. the more I learned about that industry and their company, I was like, "Nah, I'm not going to do that." Did um, it feel a little too much like uh, um, directed um, from above, as opposed to allowing you to have the freedom of what choices you wanted to put into? Well, mostly the what the turnoff for me about Disney was that they owned every concept or idea that you created, drafting and engineering. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. At one point. What so were you, you for 3D modeling? That's just taking somebody else's. That's the whole. So look, I'm just have a you dabbled at all with 3D printing, or have me? you got into it? Uh, it's not as interesting to me as 3D signage. It's Which another is? part of the best. Like my whole career has been sign guy, print guy. Yeah, right. Know, everyone's looking at the print press, and usually, you know, back in 2012, not to go right off of talking about contemporary art and in this postmodern modern world. Um, even up in this postmodern modern world. <laughs> <laughs> Explain yourself with that. I like this. Well, go ahead, throw it out there. I like that. Ideas. Yeah, hey. I heard the ideas part too. There it is again. Well, contemporaries now we're still past the term sure. or terminology they used in the fifties when they call it post or postmodernism. So that's just a, a joke on all that because I I'd also I went to some CC. Yep, I did a. Uh, Four years. What'd you say, four S, year, S? Southern Maine Community College. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the other side. Me, these guys from Limerick. I moved from Portland to, like, Limerick through middle school. And, again, when I met this guy and, you know, getting back to, like, you know, the coloring, that's, you know, same thing to today. If I saw artwork and something just need to be changed or something, I can change the color. I can do all work with that. And that's what the best part of it in last jumping to 2019 
is that he can take these ideas and he can run with them. He can do all of that. When people try to lay that on me, no, cannabis deserves, Maine deserves better. And that's why I, was it a month after, two months after I come up with the name Bud Tico and going, I'm just going to use this name. I'm going to run with this, put it on a couple of left chests, hook it up to some dudes. Cause I had uh, ordered 10 extra larges for these, um, yep. for Lodestar. Remember those? Yeah. And I showed up right as you were transitioning into that shop and he basically said to me, Hey man, you need an Instagram for weed logos like yesterday. So yeah, like, you knew it. I, I remember like, you talking okay. about this way back when. So I remember like thinking about it, and initially my original idea was lobster bud, because it's like lobster bud, <laughs> but also like buds. Yeah, getting back uh, to talking about coming up with your brand and your name, and you work with people so much on theirs, then you got to work on your own. Yeah, this is all in the infancy of it. But then I remember I was actually at a corn show. It was like the last show I saw was in the 2020 tour it was like january and i was in a hotel Lobster. room and i was like couldn't sleep i was just thinking about it thinking about it thinking about it and then it just popped in my head sticky claw draws like sticky raws claw yeah yeah claw draws and it just has like a ring to it i was like okay that's it and no they do gone. pair well together when you say it all together and it sticks it, it does it adheres to the brain to the mm -hmm. memories it works really good yeah so so I think, you know, one thing he was leaning towards with the green and the beard is that I'm actually colorblind as shit. No doubt. Yep. So, so you're seeing shades. I mean, I see color, but it's like a limited spectrum of color. What's so, a, what are the more common colors that are omitted out of like what you're, what you're able to see? Uh, is it greens? Am I right? Am it's, I yeah, it's hearing? called red, green, colorblind. I don't know why they call it that because it's definitely other colors. Uh, maybe it's that there's red and green in those colors that you're missing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think he was leaning into making fun of the fact that I had green. It's not green making ears. fun. It's not making fun. No, there's other. There's, there's the memes and jokes I send them all the time. But, uh, <laughs> well, my father happens to also have, like, plaid. It's uh, thin colors and designs. That way he can't see that quite the same. So when I met him and knew that about my father, you know, my dad's not colorblind, but, you know, or it's it's just labeling anything anyway. I don't like to do that. But, you know, identifying with that so you can work with people. So I, if he didn't, who if somebody else didn't say anything to him with the green, the green probably look, would have looked cool in the beard. But if he doesn't know, <laughs> someone, that's what we have proofreaders and people like that to do that. And, and then, then, yeah. That's actually how yeah. we figured it out too. Is I, my mom, was like, "Why are you coloring those Christmas trees brown with a crayon or like Ninja Turtles?" <laughs> when you were younger, it. yeah. Okay, yeah. And I was like, "That's what they are." That was the crayon I grabbed, and then you know they did the eye test, and I couldn't see the. It's like colored dots with a number. And yep. I think it was a two or something. I couldn't see the number, and like, oh, you're colorblind. Uh, but that's why I lean towards the digital side for mm. the coloring. Um, my senior thesis in college was actually oil paintings and I was working on them for a few months and I was like really into it, but I'd be in the studio and somebody would come up and be like, that looks really good. But you know, that guy's face is green because I was cross contaminating my paints and not seeing it at all. Mixing so finally colors. I threw up my hands and completely switched. Oh directions. shit. Yeah. You'd have to stay away from oils for that purpose. So it yeah. stays so wet and so mm -hmm. uh, mobile the blue in there. And Cause all of a oils is what I used to paint with. And yeah. so I, I liked it for that reason. Yeah. I liked it that uh, the blue could be added onto in different layers down the road. As long as it's still in that wet period of time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can force colors to exist, but 
and until you know that and recognize that as part of the process, mm-hmm. that was working counterintuitive to what you were yeah. applying, right? Yep. Which is why you stayed with pen and ink for the longest time. Yeah, and I went, mean, went illustrative. The lo- I the, find it fascinating. The long haul of my life, I've always been really into line quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even remember my high school teachers. This looks great, but don't rely on line. College teachers, this looks great, but you don't want to rely on line. And then my whole senior thesis was like super line based, illustrative, uh, computer colored, and then attracted know, to geometrics or not, like sacred geometry type stuff. Yeah, or? maybe Mandela's. Uh, on occasion, yeah, but it's a little too technical, tedious for me. Yeah, there's, there's one or two I think you'll see on my page that I've done, and they're fun and they're challenging, but it's just like my brain doesn't. No, I worked with an like artist it. in town, like I was telling you about, and he, but um, <clears throat> his mind was geared for it. Right. And, yeah. and it is a different mind. It's a special kind of mind. We hadn't really defined what Terps was. We sort of rushed Terps open a lot sooner than I think we, it didn't make sense. We're opening during a pandemic mm-hmm. and we're just about closing down everything at the time. Well, why do you really want to push too far forward with that? That that was our thinking. Um, we, and my hope was that in the springtime, that it would open up and we'd have time to have figured out how to run a store, get better at branding, uh, figure out who our clientele was, building relationships that way, and then being consistent, like uh, not messing things up on their end, because we were dealing a lot with on sales. It's a lot uh, online to sales. Mm. It's a it's a lot more than when you take back to like what you do. You know, <laughs> when he my friend here talks about being an illustrator and you're trying to define our titles. More than that you know, now. We're we're working more than that. We're working with an industry that somebody was not necessarily went to school for horticulture at the time, and they just the school of the hard knocks, they started growing and they learned and everyone's got their story. That's what, you know, often we listen to the podcasts where Talk about where people went, you know, where they went from and how they got to where they are now and working with regulations. And now we're finding, you know, you can't draw certain things. You can't put that on packaging. And then it's going to keep reverting back to the, you know, me talking about changing an outline. That might piss off a, a designer out there, you know, just saying, you know, trying to change anything. And that's where I fall into this weird category where it's like sometimes what are you supposed to do? Not make changes? You got to make changes? People going to pay you to make that change? You might have taken a long time. People just send me, if somebody, I never worked with him before. I wasn't able to reach out to him. You know, hey, do you, any, you have another version of this logo? Some things don't work. Some things aren't going to fit on a small little label. Mm-hmm. It comes down to what's your logo and your brand. It's been, it's got to be redrawn 15 different ways now to work for different packaging. Now we're talking about packaging on labels and cannabis and why as a oh, sign sure. guy, I spent, <laughs> I spent years, we talked about the 1800 vehicle uh, brand conversion I did uh, for a large, what's called electrical company. And uh, that's a whole other side of it and watching how they rebrand just their vehicles. You know, they're rebranding a whole business, every part of it. They working with a particular company. It was a small, uh, smaller sign company here. Did in they Maine. have to make alterations? Is that why they were rebranding? Oh, it's, it's, it was removing uh, the Fairpoint logo off and putting oh, a new okay. brand oh, okay. on. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and that's the buyout. Well, that's and, an, and that's change. the technical industry. And my life, is, oh man, to be able to go wrap a cannabis on a vehicle, it's awesome. But you know, taking somebody's logo and then me trying to do a wrap design. 
on the house for free and I don't know somebody, I'll send it to them, maybe they'll, no. <laughs> All of a sudden you're rolling into the shifting of, oh no, you gotta talk to the designer or there's a design charge and I do those things myself. But it's often a lot of uh, that time, like my t like I said, when it comes to me and designing, I've done so much of that, taking somebody else's logo and had to do 20 other things with it to make it look for a wall wrap or things like that. It takes time and money and there's a design charge. And there's also how it goes about getting a DM, hey, do this. And you know how many people just say that? You don't know how many people are really going to show up with money the next day. Mm -hmm. It's also the point of sale when you start doing work for people. Our work somehow starts way before people give money, and a lot of them don't sometimes don't go with you, or you don't know what's going to happen. It's, Have uh, you been able to protect yourself from that as time's gone forward, Stuki? Uh, yes, I do all prepay. Yep. Um, I'm. What's that from the get go? Nope. nope. I mean, initially, my first design was like hundred and fifty dollars, mm -hmm. um, and you know, to get in the door. Yep. And at that time, it was like do it, get paid, but you know, you're, you're chasing money or someone's making multiple alterations and suddenly that rate is no longer feasible for you as an artist. So I do the prepay. I'm always booked out. Uh, so I just get people slotted in and work them in the order that they're, they come in and, you know, I approach each person differently. Like he said, it's, there's many, many facets of who's in this industry, what they're doing, what level they're at. Um, so you're talking I, in terms of growth and yeah, the things yeah, that where, they're thinking about where, and just where they're at financially and, yeah. um, you know, what they're spending versus what they're profiting. And I, I try and approach every client with that in consideration. It's very easy to see on social media when someone's just getting started, mm -hmm. you know, and you don't want to, do you want to make it work for them? Yeah. You don't want to deprive them of having the same opportunity to have the same eye-catching graphics, you know, and I think you mentioned before about people coming back, uh, and that's definitely happened with me. Like, you know, if I work with each – I get to know each person individually. I get an idea of their concept. I think that overall my prices are still very, very modest compared to the industry standards, um, but a lot of those people come back, yeah. you know, and most people right out of the gate are just like, I love your work. This is what I want. I think you're going to do a great job. Do it. And I do, and they love it, and it's um, an amazing relationship. <laughs> um, and then, you know, those people come back. They're like, oh, I need this other thing. It's just this idea. How soon can you do it? Cool, all right, let's get it done. And then I do it, and they're like, you know, maybe one or two changes here or there. But overall, it's, it's definitely got a momentum now where it's like people see the style and aesthetic, and they know what they're going to get. And... Yeah, you show them the process too. with the variations that you offer too. So let's just say that uh, the the person who says, "I trust you, you're going to do it," and this and that, and maybe the one that uh, you know, I mean, you're giving them more than just one, and so in their head they had this preconceived hope or idea or thoughts, and yet it might not be contained within that image, but it's within some grouping or 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 conglomeration of yeah yeah and so as a collective it becomes yes that that's the experience i had when you did the main podcast one so mm -hmm. i really do appreciate that because we had talked but we didn't have a long conversation and it was really back and forth that's what i wanted to ask you about is is how much of that focus time is about well what is this company like or who are they what are they trying mm -hmm. to build and you have to kind of interpret that and yet see it through the lens of a consumer is that, or, or, or the identity of who the people are. 
How do you go about that? I don't know if I ever approach it from the lens of the consumer, uh, but definitely. Why not? Would that make it too blasé? I guess so. In the so. sense where you want to generalize it too much? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, um, I don't know if you remember like the initial stages of our conversation about your logo, but it's like, okay, what are you trying to convey? What, you know, what's your thing? What's it all about? Mm-hmm. So I always start with letting that person kind of describe to me, well, we're this, we're that, we're doing this. I'd love to see this, this, and this included. I don't really have, most people say like, I can't really draw, so I don't really know how to do that but I'd like to see these things involved. So, you know, like with you, when I start getting into it, I'm like, here's where I'm at. Here's a sketch. And then people will be like, oh, that's cool. Can you do this? Or can you do that? Or like a lot of times they're like, I love it. Keep going. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you get into the color and then I start showing the color process and they, they'll say, hey, I need you to, can you try this color instead? Which goes back to the colorblind thing. It's pretty funny because sometimes people will be like, I love all that, but I don't like that green. And then I'm like, well, <laughs> what what's this green so i have to like figure it out with the color sample or like ask someone like hey what 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 the hell are they talking about right here well, um, so that's why I, I just to get back to that for a minute so is it shades are you seeing different shades of um, it's sort of like the contrastness it's when other people would look at grays and well you're saying oh well that's kind of a sand that's a light gray that's mm-hmm. a dark a rich like a granite looking gray sure is that how you're able to see it is that variation in the 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 pigmentation do you still see that gradient range is uh, that well, maybe the term i'm thinking the, my, gradient range my sense of value is really good okay um so actually most of these projects right from the beginning i do them in grayscale for the coloring portion and layer it all out digitally and then like yours again for example i was like what colors are you thinking and you're like oh well we'd like to use these colors from this shirt that we did yeah so i literally took that photo brought it in and color sampled from that and started using those two blues and greens mm-hmm. and applying the same value spectrum that I had already laid out in grayscale. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, we'll bring up the saturation a little bit and make it pop a little more. And, and then there it was, you know, and it, it matches. And then I also like to use, uh, you know, the fonts. Like if someone, you, had a, you already had a nice font. So it's like, how can we take what you have into this new moniker where people are going to see it and identify it as you but it's got this like fresh look. Yeah. So anytime I can utilize that portion for like a crossover, it shows the evolution of their brand and their identity, but it, it keeps that original down home authenticity of who they were when they started. It was a very minimalistic look what that we started off with. Right. And, And but but there were some, a couple uh, they were, yeah, right. Still technically is. There were a couple iconic different symbols, one being the font and the other being kind of that, um, yeah, the leaf, the symbol there. He did that with Better Buds as well. <clears throat> I just ran some shirts with them not mm-hmm. long ago with some sand colored with a, yeah, four color print. And to see their logo that they originally came to me for and then take it to him and have him, they, he did a whole package for them of several logos, but one of them has their original logo. It has their dog. Um, it's, uh, that's what they wanted. And Throwing back to like where I step in is that it's been good to be able to see a differentiation in the design world and not have it be just type font, logo creation type things that a lot of my background, a lot of things that I've been doing in design work over the years is based around and being able to have 
somebody that, you know, is actually talking about changing the saturation and actually having reasoning behind their design work. It's, I got, I just keep saying, I just, I appreciate that what he's, I feel like he's able to do for people. And what I've always, it's always been working with small businesses and sometimes they're bigger businesses. We live here in Maine. I've done work with small and big businesses and a part of the whole, you know, community aspect to it is, uh, making things that people want and that their people want. That's, I think, what we do at the end of the day. And it's really big, like I said, going to those first couple of mid-main sessions, seeing, you know, cannabis T-shirts all over the years in Maine, you know, especially, like I said, traveling Shop Chronic and selling the shirts, you know. Who thinks this is cool here? Who thinks this is cool there? You know, it's working with small business and, and you know, now it being interjected with cannabis. Uh it's fun to see the positive value because I haven't seen anybody with anything negative or violent. You know, it comes down to what things would we not make for people? Mm. And I don't think that we, I haven't been approached with much over the years, but you know, sometimes that happens with those online sites and that's how things get put out there that aren't so positive or happy, you know, getting to see, you know, his particular artwork in this industry. Also, you can tell that it's his artwork. People like that part. You know, you could ask him to draw a lot of different stuff. He's going to try to draw it the best that he knows how to do it. It takes that time. Commissions. It's I, a, I mean, in a sense, this is, uh, you're working in a commission sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's how different. daunting was that? Or, or did you have enough experience already from the North Carolina years or year years and different things like that? Yeah, had you had like, enough where you knew, like, because... Just sharing as a, a fellow painter, I, I was only commissioned twice to ever do anything, but I told them out front uh, with the style of painting that I did, I said, look, um, it's not going to be exactly what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. It's going to be my vision of what you're looking for. Yeah. Because you can't ask me to become something different. I'm not going to, not going to do a painting of your dog in a standard traditional sense. So that, as a painter, for me, it wouldn't excite me in how I like to create a, an image. Right. But for you, you do have to satisfy your clients and customers and with mm -hmm. your commissions. Yeah. What about what's that process like? Uh, I mean, they, how daunting is it? It's it's really not that daunting. I mean, in some cases, they'll give you an example of I like this style, um, but I would say creatively, I'm very adaptable to really any content or style. Um, and then once it hits the pad and my hand starts translating it, it will be a representation of that if that's what they want. But it still has my line quality and style in there. So for me, it's, it's never really daunting. It's kind of fun. It's like this playful dance of finding the balance between what aesthetics they definitely want and then still allowing myself to show through. And I think that's where it's more about being an illustrator than really like a graphic designer. Um, so each piece like becomes my new favorite thing that I'm working on. And sometimes I have to sit with them a little while, you know, cause I'm not just trying to like pump them out and just, you know. No, yeah, thing. I can relate to that. I would always be working on, there was a time when you first, when I first started painting, I'd only be working on one painting. Mm -hmm. But then when you're into your rhythm, there's eight, 10 pieces you're working on yep. at, at, at any one particular time. One of them could have been a piece you're working on for a year and a half. You don't want to put it away. You need to keep it in the eye line because there's going to be a moment where it clicks. Yep. And if you leave it relevant, if you leave it exposed, you're going to have that interaction. Yeah. 
And that's what's great about that the iPad method too. In you know doing my my quote unquote ink drawings in Procreate, I can sketch with the pencil. I could put a layer of white over it, make it semi-transparent. Now I'm on a light table, and then I'm inking it, and then I'm like, I burn the steam of the momentum of that project, and I'm like, all right, I got to pull away, and then I go back to the gallery, and there's like eight other ones that are. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, like, you can pick the part of the process they're in and yeah. engage them at that point. Yeah, I can be like, all right, yeah, right. I, feel, I need to work creatively right now, but this one is really technical and intricate, and I'm not in the headspace at the moment. So I'm going to hop over to this real fun, lighthearted, simple one and bring that one up a little bit. So there's a lot of like tandem yeah. stuff going on, yep. but it's all still in the flow of like first come, first serve, you know, oh, as yeah, far sure. as like the commissions go. Yeah. No, but sure. But that's, I think when you're going to create some of the freest flowing product uh, um, imagery coming yep. back into you is if you can work on it at a time when your mind's ready for that encounter mm -hmm. with it. That's yeah. what I liked. I liked, uh, there would be some days where I'm just laying down my my first level, my my first um, coating onto a white canvas. But there are others that have three or four different areas where it needs to be fine tuned. It needs yeah. that finer detail. And so, depends where my head would be at that point in particular time. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I've always. That's why, though, I think I did two paintings for commission. One was pretty easy. They said, I just want you to do something. And they gave me colors. So I, so I did it. But the other was a, um, a couple that had just got married, and they wanted a very sexual piece mm. of them <laughs> <laughs> without photos. <laughs> oh, um, and I was okay with that because I was, at the time, I was enthralled with the idea of doing a piece like that, too. So I got a put together a canvas that was uh, three and a half foot by five foot. I wanted to give them that experience with it, something they could have on a large scale, mm. whether it's still hanging wherever it is or whatever might have happened to it. I was happy to have gone through the process. It was a I think I had at first promised something about like a three month period of time and it turned into six and a half months mm -hmm. before it was all said and done. Have you been able to keep your, keep a regiment time-wise? That's been uh, good for you, something that you like? It's hard to tell sometimes, and I've definitely fallen back and been delayed. Um, so sometimes it is hard to know exactly, but that's what's great about working with these people in this industry is, um, like we were talking about earlier, is most people are very understanding. Yeah. Um, and they want it to have the same heart and soul that you as an artist want to put into it. So. It's also their business. It's it's a rep when yeah. you work with a small business of any type, and that's uh, the way that you should be looked at. As a lot of people still don't think of cannabis necessarily as small business, they're not thinking the mindset that I think that we have. With we're working with people building their companies, you know, we're you know, I'm getting products for them. We're translucing it, translating it from what he does with his art, and <clears throat> hopefully also creating like a good positive like image and vibe overall. You know, the really put out there that, you know, these are companies that are growing, you know, yes, it's cannabis. Yes, it's different labels and things like that. But the whole part behind it, you know, these people, there's a lot of, what do they say, uh, 10,000 employees in the state of Maine right now? Is it that now? It, I, that's, I think that's what I had saw in the paper. Wow. I'm trying to remember. The numbers are always different and change and what's considered employee. No, that sounds about right now that, now that I've let it They want to wear it too. They want to represent their company, you know, apart, mm -hmm. you know. 
my background of companies from sport, you know, youth sports apparel to landscaping to, you know, the hospital needs these towels, you name it. You know, we've done, done so much different work. Um, it's uh, figuring out what people want and what to put it on <laughs> that at the end of the day. But when it comes to employees of a company, they want to be happy with where they work. Imagine you work somewhere and you're like, oh, I don't want to wear the company shirt. You know, these people are like usually generally proud. You know, I'll bring up like Shamrock Farms wrapping their walls. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you see employees like they're happy, like they're work, they, some of family, like they work, like they want the company to do well. Yeah. You know, that comes down to the in individual. It comes down to employees. It's coming down to like, it's not just necessarily the person that owns the company. It's what they want. But it's also to build something that's that your own little community within the community. Yeah. And that's one thing. It's been great to see uh, growing. The, there are some, yeah, right. Some of these businesses are now no longer at the four or five people. It's uh, 10, 20, 40 yep. employees. And they're also thinking about what, what's that next level for them. I sure. mean, or, or, or have they attained it? Have they reached it? Is that yeah. their, their final point? There's like a tribe mentality to it too you know like your your team colors your your crew mm -hmm. you know and that's a whole they were the good in your gear weren't 20, they and that's 20 and that's and that's a lot of branding Instagram. yeah that's a lot of branding and if you, you know, just they, they don't necessarily want a logo they want or like a brand identity they want their colors lifestyle their, comes up a lot does yeah, it not i'm sure that's with yeah, what, what uh, when people say first and foremost mm -hmm. what what they want out of what they're the imagery or the design that they're looking for I don't know, just make me a couple right. logos, I don't know, about whatever, come up with a slogan too, I'll let me know what you're thinking, and maybe I'll come buy some shirts, you're like... Well, for my side of it, it's like I'm encountering these people, they have no, this, the this heart for what they're doing, Yeah. and they want that to translate into an image that doubles as shirt, but as a logo, as packaging, and you know, that goes down to the bundle, It's and the, the breaking it apart is like, you can have a really detailed logo, um but that's not necessarily going to translate on a tiny little jar. So then when you have like an element of it separated, boom, or like the law restrictions, you know, it's like you want a bear, you could throw a bear on a t-shirt. Now they're making it, you can't put on your product. So there's where you slide in a paw print or something in that, that crossover.
started working on yeah. that? Yeah, I did just recently. Yes. Yeah. Well, Want to explain like uh, the, the origins of that, the idea behind it? So For those who haven't seen it. Well, so we were just on, a, on the sidebar here. We were just discussing like, you know, how there's a mix of community and versus competition, you know, where he made the example was like, grow weed well i hate you now because i grow weed yeah and there, there, shouldn't, there really shouldn't be that um that people should be coming together and even more particularly right now with this whole attempted corporate takeover thing going on with these unrealistic regulation standards to try and squash these little local companies that have been doing it for generations or even just getting started the point is is that we're all here and we're all local, and this is our state. Mm-hmm. Um, so the series that we started putting together, the, the Unite or Die, uh, basically where I took that was kind of reigniting the spirit of 1776. Uh, the, the Broken Leaf is like a direct inspiration pull from the Broken Snake. You know, join yes. or die. Yes. Yeah. Seven colonies against British tyranny. That was early uh, illustrative work back in the day, was yeah. it not? So you, yeah, yeah, you've delved into that, I'm sure. Yeah. So I pulled from that mentality, and then you slide it over to the spirit of 1820, like the establishment of Maine. And so it's like we the if you look at the leaf, it's broken into the 16 counties of Maine, and it's about coming together against this foreign tyranny of like corporate uh infection and takeover and squashing out the little guy like uh, i think you mentioned like amazon like you know sure everybody wants to get their medicine and and their flower but like i don't know about you i don't want to see like a canazon no like all of a sudden small business is dead because everybody's buying their drop ship weed to their door uh so that series is about that like bringing it back to the grassroots of who we are as a state and coming together, so it goes back to what we were talking about of like the the tribe mentality. Yeah. Um, so really, what I wanted to do was put together a design that reinvigorates that classic 1776 style that everybody loves, but also puts it in a way where it's like you're wearing it, I'm wearing it. We cross paths on the street, and we're like, oh hey, yeah. You know, you tip your hat to that. I'm guy. one of you. But we're also, in this you know, together. 100 of the proceeds are going to be donated to the fight against this. So awesome. not only that, you're becoming this like tipping your hat to a guy that's at your side, whether you know him or not, you know, that guy helped and you helped. And, you know, it becomes both working against it and fighting it, but also coming together. And so, uniting. Yeah. Unite or die. That's I like it. I like that thinking. How, when you guys were having this conversation a little while back with uh, brought this on. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you going to be getting them out there through Bud Tico, the store through relations? So we had, we had talked about this a little while ago. So when it comes back to just, even in, uh, when everyone voted for recreation and I try to explain to people, we don't want recreation. Don't vote on it. They go, Oh yeah. It's like, no, look at what's going on with other States doing a little bit of research, um, working particularly with, just call Bobby Hive. We'll call him mm-hmm. the entity. Just he's always kept me informed. You know, working with Brett. Brett's always been on top of it. Bridget Farm. Yep. Um, there have been people have been able to just ask, like, so what's going on? You know, then I can go online, do my own research, and then go off of what people are just posting about. But you know, again, going online, doing a little bit of research, what's going on? Um, 
it's it's seen in states like five, uh, Florida, where there's only five companies. They all have to be vertically integrated. They've all got to have what over a million dollars. Let's say million dollars at the minimum to start one of those five companies or whatever it actually costs. It was not made for a local Floridian to be able to purchase, you know, and control. You know, when you talk about even the story of lobbyism, we're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Medical programs seem to work out pretty well. Why are we okay with this whole corporate part? You know, we're now we've got 3,000 or close to 3,000 legal cannabis companies in the state of Maine. Um, we talked about close to 10,000 employees. You know, how much of that's going to be minimalized and shut down, not funded through the arts, not helping have these events like event centers and music and places like that. They're just going to be like Bud Light at Reggae Fest. I really mm. wanted to bump that last year. Mm. Everybody already says Bud Light, so everyone's going to be like, Bud, Tika. Oh, like, we all have <laughs> these dreams. And... Um, <laughs> We all have these dreams. <laughs> <laughs> we have different is dreams. Is that what your dream was? <laughs> love it. Still it. is. It's, uh, I would love to go to Reggae Fest and toss out mm. some shirts and, mm. uh, you know, keep that vibe that I had with Shop Chronic traveling and going to events and selling Yeah, you shirts. like that I vibe mean, anyways, don't you? Oh, I thrive off of it. I love it. Like, have you talked? I talked to somebody about, like, have you been to Bud Tico and hear what they say? Be like, oh, yeah, I met that guy. I got a high energy. It's uh, It helps smoking the right things. But it's... uh. At the end of the day, again, working with small businesses, watching small de businesses develop and grow, watching the conversion over the last two years to now as uh, retail stores, and it seems like it's been because it was a COVID year, like it's been five years, Yeah. but it's um, working with the state, working with the regulation, and all of a sudden being told, nope, there should be less of them. You should be able to buy your pot from a center. We want to control every bit of it. Like we talked on that podcast before, podcast before. On the company in New Jersey, getting pulled over with a bag of weed. Weed ain't legal. Sealed bag from the dispensary is legal. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then it's uh, translating over how we looked at, you know, craft beer. You know, they, a lot of towns, I don't want a bar in my town. We came from Limerick where there's not going to, it didn't work out having a bar in town. Um, nice brewing opened up. I grew up with Dustin Johnson. His uh, mother was a teacher at our school. Uh, his father, Dick Johnson, stuffed beavers, his taxidermist. Couldn't make that up. <laughs> and I remember no, seeing... You could make that up. But I remember but, seeing him... But it's perfect. <laughs> but I, I saw him on the one of the ESPN2 shows where I was at a trade show looking at apparel and seeing him go from brewery to being on like a television show talking about his brewery. All of a sudden, it's not Budweiser, oh, crushing cans. It's having a good beer. And that's what we've been able to see in craft weed the past yeah. few years. Yeah. We've been able to see go from when, like, you know, when he moved up here, 2019, it's like, what's shatter? It's like, dude, hold on. We got to go over weed maps, and I got to show you all the consistencies and strains. And, you know, as we're still the general public, how many people are learning about vape carts in the past two years? Before that, it was still buying weed off somebody in a store. I mean, sorry, in a store. <laughs> buying weed in a Hey man, we got you. Got to get in the car. All Somebody right, had gotta, something. You got. I got to go in this house. I got to go. You got to sit in the driveway for like an hour. I forgot yeah. you were out there. I mean, like that's the take from it. Is like we all grew up. You grew up here too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all grew up here through the stigma of weed. Like you said, sitting in someone's driveway for an hour, two hours for this like dirt weed. I mean, my mom made me go to rehab for weed. Oh no way! Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, she did so, not have a good reaction to it. Huh? Yeah, and then years later, she's like showing me her vape because she had it. <laughs> so it's like it's no. CD. Do you get her to it's apologize no to her at all uh, for yeah. for that? No, no. no it, it was what it was. No, right? yeah. Uh, but so it's like we've all gone through that. My high school teacher would always say, like, "This is really great 
art, but you can't make a career out of drawing marijuana. You know, it's like we've all earned this journey. Yeah. And here we are, and people are really have an opportunity to make something that's theirs and their own and their community and their family and their friends. You can't like you can't let them take that away from us right now. And that's like it starts small. And you know, for some people it's not threatening to them because mm. maybe they've quote unquote arrived to where they feel they were trying to be as a business. Uh, but then for other people, it is more imperative because they're just getting started. But the, the takeaway here is it's like, we're all in this together and let's like, keep it in house. Let's keep it in the state. Let's keep it. Um, local yeah. We have grassroots. to grassroots. And then we get to wall street. And then we, we have get to, to uh, we, we, we've, we've seen way too many people from other different States who are coming here to Maine mm -hmm. to get bought. We as Mainers have always known, you know, I, I shouldn't say we've always, those who had the right connects obviously had access to local growers. Sure. Um, and unless you were a grower or, you know, if you weren't a grower and that's a majority of people, I mean, think about it. 3000 caregivers. And you had to go meet your caregiver somewhere. Well, even before the term patient came up, you know, mm -hmm. when you just oh, yeah. wanted some, you know what I mean? And, and that's what you were looking for. The, those who were those connects. Well, people are and able so. now to be informed. I mean, I take back about, I'd say eight years ago now, I started using Leafly. Um, and just looking up, you know, what I was getting, what it was going to do. Yeah. It's uh, the average person now being able to find out that, you know, they were so comfortable with alcohol their whole lives. All of a sudden being able to buy a CBD strain, um, particularly that aids them, or just being able to buy, let's throw out a strain, rug burn, not known to have a very high THC content. And some people, you know, over a certain age bracket, aren't trying to smoke something with the highest content. Yeah, sure. Being able to actually have that side, I think everything I've ever seen is people being like, yeah, let's regulate. I want to know what's in this. You know, it's developing it from that we don't know what this is and where it came from to everyone knowing what they're doing. It's amazing getting to see some of the people I know and the businesses they've built, but still down to the, like how they are able to grow this plant the way it should be grown and it's cultivated right. It's paid. The reg people don't have a problem with the regulations. You know, <laughs> they, they want to be able to do it. Now we have companies just trying to shut it down. Well, there's a it's too really it's good too amount that have decided that their focus on regulations was going to be the path they were going to choose because they want to do this for a long, a long time. You and know, that's the thing is wanting the, to have. They want to be in the cannabis employees. business. What you like to create for yourself, mm -hmm. and um, kind of. Is it, was it socio-political? Yeah, socio-political. I don't even know if that's a real word. But no, no, I, I like it, but I, yeah. I think, yeah, throwing them together. Yeah. Want to talk about that a little bit, like what you'd like to do? Sure, to yeah, do I mean, um, ultimately my biggest passion with my skills in art is creating works that are around, like, politically charged and socially charged themes. If you look at my Instagram, you can see it, that, peeks through every once in a while. Mm -hmm. um, those are the things that I connect with on the deepest level. Like I showed you the piece I did uh, in 2016, Illusion of Choice, which is basically uh, about voting and how it's just kind of bullshit. Um, and the illusion of choice in leadership or whatever else. Uh, so that piece was a week and a half straight. I lost 10 pounds. I was like drinking coffee, not sleeping, not eating. And to date, it's, in my opinion, the best piece of work I've ever done. But if you really break it down, it has all kinds of imagery hidden in there. 
Um, like there's a royal flush in the playing cards. There's the how large of a piece is this, uh, the actual? Uh, it's actually eight feet tall and four feet wide as a digital file. So I, when I created it, I've designed it to be huge and loud. Wow. Um, it was never because you wanted stuff. those details within the piece. Yeah, that I mean, was essential. That was important. Trump, there's like Trump's little button on his collar, his skull and bones, his vest. They, they look like magicians for people that can't actually see this. Um, yep. And his or if they want to see it, I'm sorry, want to want to say the. Uh, it's actually just kind of floating around from an old moniker online. But if you want to see it, you can hit me up on Instagram. I'll, I'll show it to you gladly. Awesome. Uh, his vest is like um, Freemason temple flooring pattern. Uh, Hillary's got six fingers like a demon. The orb that she's floating has the Saturn death cult symbol. Uh, Bernie Sanders has his jacket, but underneath he's got a socialist communist vest. He's pulling a rabbit out of the hat. If you look really closely, the the actual pattern on the rabbit is the continents of the globe. Um, it kind of has a casino like table uh, layout in the front. Yes. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. The cards are floating. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because he's like levitating them like a magician. But there's a royal flush in there and a six 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 in the cards and there's um, the Illuminati. It's all packed in there from my. Uh, how concerned are you about creating art with uh, with a political, a socio-political um, narrative in what's going on in the world today? And how uh, do you feel any kind of uh, pushback at all when you've ever posted or no. putting putting something out there like that? No, I mean usually it's pretty well received, or people don't get it at all, right? Um, and that's okay. I think right now doing what I'm doing is where I'm supposed to be, but in the long term, that's definitely what I'd like to focus most of my energy on, however that can be utilized. I think right now we're in a very delicate place. Can you uh, use that term you used outside, how you described what uh, last year was, 2020? Oh, yeah. Something. I mean, it's like, you know, we're in a collective trauma right yeah. now, and, and not everyone is aware of that trauma. It's the same as any other trauma. People suppress traumas. People engage traumas in their own timing. Uh, this whole experience, everybody kind of went in their own flow of denial of it. You know, it's, oh, no big deal. It's going to just pass to like, whoa, this is real, to being completely mowed over by it. Or if you're someone like me who directly experienced it in yourself and in your family, it's, you know, it's a really scary thing. So like, that on top of your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. You know, I think people should be very sensitive to other people uh, about like their timing with things, you know, as long as people are respectful to each other, then that's all that really matters. Um, obviously there's going to be indifference about everything. Yeah. I think indifference can be expected. It doesn't matter if it would have been 2020. It would, uh, you yeah. add, a, add up the years since uh, I've recognized that people had differences. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that was. I mean, I don't know what age you are when you start seeing the world through a different lens, a little bit more deeper than just what you're going to find on the surface. Right. And that's, that's what I'd like typically to do that, that work. delving into, uh, it goes into a psychological type of poli political mm -hmm. commentary. Yep. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I've spent. Why, it challenges your mind as well, or is it more, or is it messaging? Uh, it's challenging to my mind too. Cause it's like, how can I take the stuff that I've learned by, like you said, going below the surface and yeah. going down those rabbit holes and, and deciphering truth from falsity and then, you know, 
stuff that's just purposely being suppressed. You know, you meet someone who's quote unquote a conspiracy theorist or whatever, you get in a discussion with them. If you're not ready, it's really overwhelming and you're going to just dismiss it, call that person crazy. With art, you can lean it in there real gentle or you can put images in there that like the sacred geometry thing. Mm -hmm. you know, there's like magic to those that influence your, psych your psychological brain that you don't even know what's happening. You know, like the uh, Kinko's has the... The symbol. It just has the Merkaba double tetrahedron right in there. You don't see that. You do, your brain is registering. These are like ancient symbols of influence and spirituality that, you know, companies use them. Not to say that that's what I'm wanting to do, but it's like you can reach people without them knowing that you're reaching them and you're planting a seed in their brain and their psyche that will nudge them in the direction of like searching these things themselves. So ultimately, like I'd love to do a lot more of that creatively even if it doesn't yield profits, yeah, per se, you know? Like, sure, sure, yeah. If you can do your uh, day gig and still get away with this uh, sure. opportunity. I think it, it's sort of like my brother. He's uh, there was He was part of the art gallery I was talking about, a really good photographer, but he also had three young children. Mm -hmm. So there was one that was going to win out, but this development, this search, and this really becoming involved with the narrative you can create with photographs. And it would sometimes just be simple representation out in, in landscape but but there's something a little darkened or, or played with in light or, or just imagery um enough to tap into a psychic type of like mm -hmm. vibe with it and you can do that with photography you can do it with how you're going to contrast and not he liked to shoot in what he called a raw form so he wasn't he was trying to stay away from photo manipulation Right. So how do you find that in what you're shooting? Mm -hmm. And so that's the type of photographer. And in the endeavors he had, you can get really good at that. And especially if you find like, well, what if I had a kid crossing the street with a balloon and at this point in night, but yet I'm focusing on the pavement out front of it What and shooting up, what's that look like? Mm -hmm. So that takes time and energy to invest. It doesn't happen overnight. For you, these this odyssey of that creation is going to take months, and if it could have, you did it in a pretty fast time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's like, uh, but that's it. It's an obsession. You have to is. get it out. Yeah, and it's like you know the the Black Lives Matter stuff, which is still very pertinent. Like it's not over. Mm -hmm. you know? um, when that was coming about, again, for me personally, I'm a very deep feeler. Uh, I have a fairly privileged life, I would say. So, like, you have to, you had to come to terms with that personally. And I was like, what do I do? You know, I'm not just going to post a black square on my page. What is that's just going to gum you up? You want to do more. All that's going to do is gum up the hashtag BLM with black. It literally got people to black out the Black Lives Matter movement. I don't know if anybody ever like thought about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I remember hearing a, a little bit of um, the idea behind it seemed like well intended. Yeah, it's like show your support, well but really it's like, what did you really do? Yeah. You just completely blacked it Lost out. Lost an opportunity for narrative. Right. Yeah. And discussion. Um, I think that was supposed to have its own underlying narrative. You know, I don't think that that was the intentions anyone had, but that's another part with, you know. Well, it's a un unite or die type of mentality behind it. it. Is, I think that's yeah. what people I wanted. 
from from right. that who were supporting uh, well, it that day that in that way i'm not sure. disagreeing in, in one bit maybe not I just all have to altru- say that the overall i think but. people wanted to put it people everybody put it up um to also not put anything else up that day, to give it a day to actually be doing the research and be looking into it and to not have Instagram and these social medias flooded with everything else. I think it was supposed to be a day for everyone to take a break. And you're right. If anyone's going to post anything else, things that were relevant to it make sense too. If they posted that and something relevant to it, but it did seem like it had blacked out the day in the sense too. Mm. Um, so I think there's different conceptualizing how that happened. And then we, you know, go back to social economics, you know, the way that businesses work through Instagram and what the message they portray. Um, as he was talking about the illusion of choice, the one I particularly like with that one is it does not favor a party. It doesn't favor any of them. It says that it's illusion of choice. The whole point of it is it, that message is that. Oh, sorry about that. It's uh, <laughs> is that. Get to answer it. Well, I, the only thing I can revert, class. truly revert back to, and is I'm it really to a class a, battle? It's it's a class. It's a class. Battle. It's yeah. a class battle. It's you know when we talk about the legalization of cannabis through recreational means through states, it's companies that can afford to be on the New York Stock Exchange. It's you go with the New York Stock Exchange, you look at pork, orange juice, you can find lobbyists and corruption and all in through there. Where there's a good farmer out there that probably got shut down for a bad regulation or a bad call of somebody enforcing a regulation and let somebody else go because they bribed them. Forget the whole world of how it actually really works. And right now, they do not want 3,000 free thinkers making too much money in the state of Maine. You know, that's, that's one point. I don't think that that's why the corporate company is coming at it. I think that's one of the many points of why things seem to happen with the state that it gets allowed. You know, why? You know, yeah, so, I don't feel as though it's exclusive to Maine, though, what's happening or what's no, occurring no, no, in any no, way. No, not at all. And that's what But I'm our saying. battle that's being fought not only includes uh, the restaurant industry, which is going to suffer through this quite severely. Yeah. And, and there are even different types of uh, um, regulations that are coming on a federal level where they're trying to get rid of uh, the tipping system. And so that means as a restaurant, we and you guys know, mm-hmm. that doesn't work anymore. No. That doesn't... and. How's but, that going to do any good? And that's why it's so important to push back now because this is like a precursor. It's a moment of. It's a precursor to a much larger problem. And these people with the corporate money and the corporate power, they know that everyone else is at this weak, vulnerable moment. It's an opportunity and, you know, to seize. Whether you, as a company, you feel that you are or not, overall in the grand, big, larger picture, you are. You know, And that's why we need to protect the littlest to the biggest, anybody who is really like true grassroots about it and wants to keep that integrity, now's the time to push back. You know, like don't don't let it blow by and oh, it's no big deal. It's not affecting me. It's not affecting you right now, but it will. I think if anybody, if you're involved in medical and you have a have a desire to want to continue to be in a medical program, mm-hmm. um. And, you know, there are those who are in there right now who uh, the plan is to go adult use. That was always mm-hmm. part of the plan. Yeah. So I I understand that. It, it, everybody's got a different uh, business model. But if you're looking at that, say you take that 3,000 number, I don't think a 1,000 of them are thinking of going adult use. Right. You know, it's not like that. I still think the idea was it was going to be a smaller population going there. Mm. Seeing what they see of the market now, 
I like seeing three thousand. Are they going to continue going into it? Companies. And are we not supporting them anymore because they've gone into adult use? It seems a tricky, tricky slope. So I'm not necessarily trying to dump on adult use. No. The the issue is is let's well, say if our I'm, adult use came from craft medical marijuana and continue to be craft medical marijuana, then I don't think I'd necessarily have a problem with it. I have a problem with a town that won't allow somebody to build a small town. They want to start a small business. Let's say it's not cannabis. Let's say it's coffee. And they just keep shutting it down and shutting it down. And all of a sudden, Dunkin' Donuts rolls in the town. They go, sure, you guys can probably build and put a subway next to it. Go right ahead. And then all of a sudden now it's not locally owned. What's the flavor of your town? Same flavor every town in America. You mm. know, some people want to keep going to McDonald's. Some people want to see more local restaurants. You know, Portland put up a uh, memorial, uh, memoratorium several years ago on opening new McDonald's and fast food restaurants. And then you, we've seen the flood of, we'll call it craft food. We'll call it, uh, you know, the culinary experience in Maine, let alone specifically Portland. So many beautiful restaurants downtown. Oh, yeah. And so many people, especially they've lost their company over the last year due to the restrictions. But going back to when they were flourishing, it's because they the city put up things so that corporate companies would not do that. You know, it's still... Yeah, they protected. It's allowing small business to thrive. It's allowing people to live their dream. Maybe not everybody wants to eat McDonald's. Maybe they want to go to this place that's flame bro and this place is like this. There's no variety. There's no differentiation. And then no matter what, the bigger they are, they are at that level, employees are getting fucked. They're not paying certain tax because they have a lobbyist to help it so that they don't. You know, we talk about companies like Amazon that made the most money last year and did not have to give it back to the, 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 their own country. How did that work out? You know, mm -hmm. now we're talking about with cannabis companies. So if we can have, I, I prefer to see the medical program across the whole country. If it works out for adult use, that it's also licensed to people that actually live within that state and actually grow it themselves. It's, it's fighting for, we should be doing it with the food we buy. We I don't think you're going to get everything. it countrywide, but I think you have to have uh, pockets oh, or different areas no, that are going to happen. It's, it's no, insane. no, true. And it's too much of a big business. And so in some ways I would hope that Maine would prove to be uh, a great uh, a great place for big business to find that it can't succeed here. Right. I would like to see that. However, I also, I mean, we're susceptible to it. Those pockets that look like every other town are here too. You know, I mean, and, it, and it's all over. Right. So. But it comes down to the people. It comes down to what what do the people want? But right. but if it if the hand's being forced into the way of well, these things are cheaper, and it might not be as good, and it might not come from here, and it might not be you know the people who are jobs. I I can't understand where if they take away that it, those small business industries, and where are you asking us to turn that? Mm -hmm. like to work for you like directly in the jobs we don't want to work yeah. and i think the cannabis uh industry represents people who don't necessarily have that belief or that mm -hmm. that direction they want to go in right. so they're literally building <clears throat> a different path to do the opposite of that. and so it needs that support yeah. through the t-shirts through different things that uh talking about it yeah, episodes that we've been doing and other other podcasters in the tree has done. We're trying to raise awareness, Shirley. and that's uh, that's um, been a big thing this year. Is trying to find different ways to raise awareness to have the quote unquote general public, people to understand what's happening. Because every time I see something on the news, it's like a blip. They're like activists outside a cannabis company, Theory Wellness, and then it, it goes away. If this were happening right now, I'll say it time and time again. 
love everyone, the people I know in the craft beer industry that it's like simultaneously. So what you're saying is you want to have a protest, huh? What, uh, what you want to get one going? Is that what you want? Let's well, go to the state house. It's what brings that's, out the message. It, and that seems to be the way that brings out the message. For me in my life, it's always been on the apparel. How does a band get their yeah. name out there? Yeah, exactly. They, they the sell it.